0: What a week, and now, now it's midnight. You know what that means, it's time for Midnight Theology, a podcast of four pastor friends where we talk all things Christianity, leadership, culture, and life as they relate to the Wesley Methodist movement. I'm your host, Larry Frank, and as always, I'm joined by Sarah Lake,
1: hey, y'all.
0: Adam Penn, Howdy. and Gabe's taking a breather this month. So this month, we're going to take, uh, take it deep with a special guest who's going to help us confront the thief within. So buckle up, folks, this is going to be good. So hey, uh, first a moment for updates like we always do. Uh how's everyone doing? Sarah, you weren't with us last month.
1: Uh yeah, no. It's <laughs> when these days when anybody asks me how I do, I'm doing, I go and I like I'm good. I'm I'm also assessing, right? Like just sort of constantly have my antenna up like like am I okay? Like, what's going to happen today? What surprises? will this season of my life hold and, and am I ready for it? You know, in therapy, they call it hypervigilance, but uh, I promise I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we're adjusting to uh, life back in school, which I think Gabe shared um, in the last segment that Hudson is Uh, back in school and where uh, first cross-country meet is today. And uh, he did swim club for the first time yesterday. So we're kind of in the throes of activity. Um, And ministry picks up this time of year, I think probably for all of us. And um, so it has a shifting gears in, in a good way, though. So things are good. Hey, uh, before I pass the mic, though, let me uh, commend you uh, for your wonderful work on last month's episode about uh, a really difficult topic, women in ministry. It's, uh, uh, it's a tricky one to tackle, and I could sense especially uh, your all's sensitivity, right, to Uh, wanting to get it right and do that in a way that really honored the call of God and women and um, was positive and supportive. Uh, So thank you for that. And thank you that I didn't have to. Uh, I (laughs) I think you handled it well. I said, I said in the intro that I reserve the right to like smack you down, <laughs> okay, no correct anything afterwards. And I'm like, no, I can't, I can't, I can't think of anything at all. In fact, the only thing that comes to mind, if anybody wants to lean a little bit uh, more into the subject uh, is uh, an incredible book by Carolyn Moore called When Women Lead uh, yes. that addresses this issue, but also like just not just in a should women be preacher sort of way, <clears throat> but in a, a really, really broad kingdom way. Um, she really helps articulate that the way of the kingdom uh, is partnership and that our tendency as people is uh, towards hierarchy, right? We, we took what was meant for partnership uh, and we've made it hierarchy and how the way of the kingdom is really upsetting that. Trying to upset that at every turn, uh, that Jesus was about the business of uh, lifting people out of oppression, women included, right? Uh, The alien, the slave. And how all of Scripture is taking what was the norm in oppression in the hierarchy and trying to bring it into the fullness of partnership and what that can do for the church in the kingdom. Carolyn really takes um uh, some incredible work in um researching that and naming it for us in a way that's really uh uh within reach, I think. Uh doesn't do it argumentatively. So if you have a chance to check it out, it's a great resource for everybody so that they can um become partners, right? Uh, for women um as they lead. So and good I jab, will
2: drop guys. the thank you. And I will drop the Amazon link to that in the description of the podcast. So you can just head there after this episode if you're interested in checking that out. And uh yeah, thanks for not smacking us down, Sarah. <laughs> That's <was> encouraging. <laughs> 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 it is encouraging.
1: Because <laughs> I know you guys so well. There was the only I chuckled a little bit because there is definitely a moment where I could tell you you would just nervous <laughs> to like please don't say well, yeah. anything wrong like please please don't please don't misstep and and um y- you eventually sort of started running with freedom and i was like yeah good job boys <laughs> <laughs>
2: thanks Seth. Oh, thank you uh yeah so the pen family it is uh september and that means just like the wanks and the franks we're in the school year and the activities are ramping up and the church activities are ramping up. So it was a nice little breather over the summer and now we're back in it and uh, ready to tackle the fall. So, you know, just, um, we're, we're getting our first, uh, school year sickness out of the way in the Penn household. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the very, very first day of school, like Levi went to the unpack your backpack night. At the school, okay. Not even the first day.
1: Not even woke the up first the day. very <laughs>
2: next morning on the first day of school with Pink Eye. We were like, okay, uh, a great start. So yeah. But uh we're getting through it. So you know, it's just part part of the experience. <laughs> How about you, Larry?
0: Schools are such cesspools. It's ridiculous. <laughs> So yeah, uh, same. We're uh we're we're into the school routine now. Our girls started um, you know, uh, a little bit earlier. Um, than we're used to in illinois uh much bigger school like when we did beat the teacher night it felt like we were dropping them off at college there's like (laughs) you know like we weren't looking for a classroom we had to look for their building first and i was like oh we'll see you in four years Uh, (laughs) it it felt like it felt like we were dropping them off at college and it was not good but they love their school they're um they're having a good time already and um uh, we are uh, as we record this, uh, <laughs> the Franks are experiencing their first tropical storm in Florida um and uh all is as well. Um, the hurricane uh, Adelia passed uh, stayed out in the water longer than they thought as she moved up the west coast of of Florida um, is is currently causing a lot of damage north of us, but we're just getting a ton of rain. I'm looking out the mm-hmm. windows uh, right now and it's just it's really really coming down. So schools have been closed for a couple of days and we closed all of our church campuses and are working from, from home. Um, but grateful that, uh, everything turned out all right and praying for those that are, um, in the, in the pathway. Is, of it, that. is
1: it enough water to fill up your new pool?
0: Uh, there is about <laughs> 12 pop. inches of water in the pool. Yeah. So uh, and, and my, and my concern was like, oh, that's not draining. I'm like, oh, well it's not supposed to drain. So I guess that's a good thing. They don't have the pump <laughs> turned on. Yeah. So they were supposed to be pouring the uh, concrete sub deck this week. Um, yeah. And that's so that, but this whole, like, you know, watching people that had, uh, you know, PTSD from hurricane Ian last year, um buying you know why do people buy all the perishable stuff from the store like all the bread and the eggs and the milk were gone um yeah. you know if your refrigerator goes you're you're toast on a lot of that um so it was one of definitely one of those uh, we're not in kansas anymore uh, we're used to snowstorms, mm-hmm. not tropical storms um so yeah but we are we're coming through okay
1: i figure i figure you you kind of are in kansas still So, I mean, Illinois is like the tail end of Tornado Valley. We we have tornado watches and uh, tornadoes and storms at every turn. You have lived through more of those than you could possibly ever count. This one just uh, has water in it, so it's a water tornado. (laughs) It's It's a water water.
0: tornado um, (laughs) that you usually get way more notice. Yeah, yeah. On the one hand, you get way more notice for a hurricane. On the other end. It may just pick your house up and move it to a completely different place. Um, So, you know, you take the wins where you can get them. (laughs) So today we're joined by my friend and colleague and now supervisor, (laughs) dum-dum-dum, Pastor Wes Olds. Wes is the lead pastor of Grace Church in Southwest Florida. He's married to Becky. They have a young adult son, Caleb. And earlier this year, Wes released an incredible book about his own journey called Confronting the Thief Within, How I Quit Earning God's Love and Embraced My Real Identity. Wes, thanks so much for joining us and welcome to Midnight Theology.
3: All right. I love it. I've been a night owl since I was a little boy. <laughs> and I love the title of your uh, group here and this chance to be with you all. So thanks for the joy of the conversation.
0: Cool. Uh, so Wes, uh, I got a front row seat as you uh, you put this book together and was privileged to do uh, some of the edits uh, yes. on this. And I knew uh, that God was going to do something uh, with this book. Uh, so in, in the time since it's been released, what's been your biggest surprise about uh, authoring this book and releasing it?
3: Well, honestly, uh, on a personal level, it's just that – the uh, worst moment of my life became the best news of my life to mm-hmm. share. At the worst moment of my life, I discovered the best news of my life. I always wanted to write a book on some success or some creative thing I thought of or an invention or you know something cool. And instead, it was about the crash and God's gracious presence in all of that. And then the recovery that's, that is good news for everybody. And so that's been the, f- the first thing that still stuns me today. That you know, if I could go back to myself when I'm in the middle of this meltdown that we'll get into, I'm sure, then I, you know, I would have loved to say what I had heard was true at the time, God is going to use this uh more than you could ever even imagine. And and that's been the the shocker of it. The other thing is just how uh my insane, what I consider sometimes insane thoughts, actually uh strike home with people. Uh these things that I, when I first shared them with the editor, I thought this is, they're going to think I'm crazy. I mean, <laughs> and uh, you know, I do have a therapist and I see a psychiatrist, so there's some truth to that, but they they're like, yeah, we totally get it. And so mm-hmm. going public with it has helped, uh,
0: I think, accept myself a little more maybe. <laughs> cool. So can you just give us kind of an overview of what brought you into writing the book, what that, you know, that, that dark moment was and the redemption that came in it kind of what the main message of the book is. And then as we've read it, uh, we want to know why are there Smurfs and raccoons in this book? And what the heck is a cog pal?
3: Right, right. And these are the things I was just alluding to. Yes.
0: <laughs> so really this book is
3: how I moved from trying to earn God's love. And it was in the middle of a burnout and some time a breakdown. And how I claimed or reclaimed really my identity as a cogbow, which stands for child of God, person of worth. Child of God, person of worth. Cogbau. So it's just a way to remember that. And so that's the main message. It's, it's discovering or rediscovering. I think I knew as a boy, I think I had more faith as a child that my identity was, a, was in Jesus. And yet yeah, I lost that somewhere along the way. I was a preacher of the good news, but I was living in my own private hell. And uh, it was not a good place to Mm -hmm. be. So this is uh, my journey back. And that story seems to resonate with people in all these different environments
0: that I'm in. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: So
0: that gives me great joy. Mm -hmm. That's a main takeaway, Larry. So uh, tell us about the Smurfs. Okay. So there are
3: a variety of voices that Every, everybody's got in their head. Uh, maybe it's the voice of an influencer in your life, somebody like your mom, or uh, a voice of a mantra that you heard uh, as a child, or just this collection of voices and you have no idea where they came from. That would be my situation. Um, then when people talk about joining a small group, sometimes I feel like I'm in my own small group and it all lives <laughs> in my head. And when I was telling my, I went to a counselor because things were that bad, that I needed help and admitted I needed help. And when I went to a counselor, she said, you know, what are some of the voices in your head? And so I began to describe these voices, and they were not speaking things like, Hey, Wes, you're a child of God, personal worth, you're loved, you're uh you belong to Jesus. Uh, he cares for you. You are uh, somebody that has some gifts to share. Those weren't the voices that I was hearing from. They were there somewhere, but the voice that I was voices I was hearing from were very critical voices. And they just got increasingly mean throughout my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of them took up mantras that were meant for good, but they would use them for evil. Uh, so I have a mantra, do your best. Uh, that was given to me by my parents. And it was really a great thing when I was like seven, because you know my friends would go off to gifted class and I was stuck in the classroom. And the uh, I was like, how come I'm not in the gifted class? And they're like, well, you just don't have those gifts. So I, I thought, well, am I some kind of loser or something? And my parents were like, no, your job is to do your best. Don't worry about anybody else. Well, that's a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. So this your best thing got weaponized somewhere along the way, and it became a curse. Like even after I finished doing anything, I would think, did I do my best? Well, no, I could have gone back and done this. And then I began to obsess and get. I uh, struggle with anxiety and depression and so that uh, cul de sac that I just drive around and around of thought, you know. Um, and I, so my counselor helped me begin to identify some of these voices and to de escalate the fear factor in me. She said, why don't you call them Smurfs, the little <laughs> blue creatures from the cartoon and movie series? Cause each Smurf, they're pretty harmless, you know, but they each have one quality about them. So I began to listen to what I've now named the village. She said, call it a village of voices and began to know myself really through prayer and just kind of being alone. And and instead of being fearful of the voices or reacting to them, to give them a name. And uh, so I I thought, okay, here's angry Smurf. Uh, Here's critical Smurf. He's a Smurf. He's always got something to say. Well, there's joyful Smurf. Or I catch myself laughing and I'd be like, there's happy Smurf. Uh, (laughs) There's a humor Smurf. There's also abandonment Smurf. Mm -hmm. fears abandonment like nothing else. Uh, There's that do your best Smurf. Um, There's the love God Smurf. (laughs) And so in all of these, I began to recognize who I am. And I found all this also echoed in scripture. Somehow, though, I've missed it because David actually prays in Psalm 139. Search me, oh God, and know my anxious thoughts. How about that? So I was just doing that and naming them all as I went. So I've got about 40 or 50 Smurfs. They're in my village now. And I keep finding new ones every now and then I'll find a new one. Um, (laughs) For the uh, record,
1: uh, my dad didn't let me watch the Smurfs because they were evil. And now I'm thinking maybe he's right.
3: uh, (laughs) That is very true. Yeah, thank you for that because... Some of them are downright evil. Uh, yeah. They are the, one, the ones that beat me down. Um, critical Smurf. I've got one self-improvement Smurf. He's a motivational speaker and he never stops <laughs> talking. He just shouts at me all the time. And um, so as I just gave voice to them and even told my counselor, you know, this is what they're saying. My counselor's like, oh, my God, you know, would you say that to anybody else? I'm like, no, I'd never say that to somebody else. Well, don't say that to yourself. I mean, there's Mm. news from Captain Obvious, but I had to know what was going on. And it brought order to the village inside my head. Mm. And so we began to have village meetings. And what I had to to discover was that God empowered me to take authority over my own village. And I'm the king of the village. Sarah, you're the queen of yours. Mm. Jesus is Lord. But at least for my Smurfs, I'm in charge. And they had started to run the the show. And so Anger Smurf would get mad at somebody. He would take over the entire village and all their resources would go to follow him. You know, if you're still following this whole crazy Mm -hmm. thing, they would burn couches. They would write mean letters to people. They would curse and punch holes in the wall. (laughs) They were out of control because they were following the wrong Smurf. And so I I had to sit them all down and be like, look guys, uh, everybody needs to come under my authority here. Jesus is Lord, but I'm the King. So, Anger Smurf, you need to sit down and be quiet. Um, Joyful Smurf, I need to hear a little bit more from you. Uh, Prayer Smurf, I need you to take the lead in this situation instead of reactive Smurf. (laughs) Abandonment Smurf, let's all get around him and give him a hug. Mm. The dude's paralyzed with fear. And instead of cursing abandonment Smurf like, dang, it, I wish I'd be different. I learned how to introduce him to Jesus. You know, don't just take my word for it. Yeah, I'm the king of the village. Let me point to who's Lord. Jesus says he'll never abandon us as an orphan. He'll come to us. And so it began to just a prayer exercise in this uh, crazy way that began to bring healing to my soul because I was identifying those voices and then offering to retrain them. Some of them needed to be abandoned. Uh, They need to be abandoned themselves. They need to be left behind. Exiled from the village. Exiled from the village. So let me <laughs> let me make metaphors on you. Sometimes we would have a meeting, and I'd say, "Look, the tribe has spoken," and I'd put out their torch. <laughs> I put them on exile island. You know, yeah. Abandoned Spurf got to come back because he agreed to be on the lookout for others that feel abandoned. Mm. Instead of cursing me, he's well trained to be on the lookout, and that's one of those things I can spot thanks to his help. So he's been retrained. He's been redeemed. <laughs> <laughs> he's the disciple. And uh, this is an ongoing process to deal with my Smurfs. Now, when I'm talking <laughs> to people about it, some of them go, Oh yeah, I call mine chickens or yeah, I call mine squirrels or I, you know, you make up your own name, your own village, but the principles are the same. And uh, well,
1: it makes me go, uh, uh, not my monkeys, not my circus, which is, the there phrase you go. I, use. I it, it does. It means though, that I have to go, they are my monkeys. It is right. my circus.
0: Right. <laughs> There's the thing. That's, that's I right. I to train
1: the monkeys, right? <laughs>
0: that's exactly
3: right.
1: If it makes you feel better about exiling Smurfs, <clears throat> I have learned since becoming a parent that thanks to, to sequels in Smurf movies, that there, there are other villages of Smurfs. There's not just one Smurf village. There are there are other smurfs in other villages. So you just you just said you can't be part of my village. You need to go 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 bother you know. someone else's village.
3: There you go. That's so a nicer we, way to put it, Sarah. Thank there you. We can be or, nice or about exiling the Smurfs.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't torture
3: somebody else, would you? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I do tend to be the compassionate one about uh, exiling people. So we'll 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 send them to another village.
3: <laughs> okay, good. Well at least they can live there.
2: So yeah. <laughs> So it sounds like you kind of are uh, talking along the lines of what Paul references in Romans 12, 2, where he tells us not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed uh, by the renewal of your mind. And it sounds like that's kind of what you're experiencing through this redemption of your Smurfs, as it were. Um, So obviously there's a spiritual element to all of this. And Mm -hmm. uh, where have you seen kind of the role of the accuser and the adversary of our souls versus the role of the Holy Spirit in redeeming some of your Smurfs? Great question, Adam. So
3: Jesus says in John ten ten 10, um, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now in that point, he's referring to the religious leaders of the day and those that were robbing people literally. Uh, and then he contrast them with his own ministry, but I've come to give you life in all of its abundance and fullness. And that's what this is about. So there are other thieves in our lives. And um, these thieves are some of those wounded thoughts that, uh, and those wounded Smurfs, if you will. And the spiritual element of them is I had to, um, and was blessed to discover the order of God's love. Mm. Um, I had misappropriated Jesus' statement, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And because of the structure of those sentences, I thought really my whole life that I was in third place. Hmm. And my role and calling and what it meant to be a true Christian was to love God. Okay, we get that. Um, But then to love everybody else. And so some of the Smurfs came out of that exhaustion of a people-pleasing Smurf, in a, in a village that lived to please other people. Like if they, if we asked them and polled them, you know, what's the main reason where our village exists? It's, it's to please others. Yeah. Um, and so what we all had to learn was that, uh, no, our job is to receive God's love into our lives as well, my life, and then to freely share it with others. Hmm. So I was caught in a, a loop that that's where the anger came from. Yeah. Um, In our recovery ministries, we have women's codependency small groups, and we don't have men's codependency small groups. Instead, what we have is men's anger group, because Mm. (laughs) when when dudes are angry, we're coming in because of codependency a lot of times, Mm. and so uh, that certainly fit my life, and so the spiritual element was to rediscover, yes, love God with all my heart, soul, mind, strength, but then to let God love me, Mm. and to... Uh, Henry Nolan says, The work of prayer is to listen to the voice that says good things about me. Mm. That's the real work of prayer. And so I had to quiet my soul and the village and so Now let's listen. What is the Lord saying to us? Well, he comes along with these great words like, You are my beloved, on whom my favor rests. Uh, You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people belonging to the most high God. You're chosen, you belong. Uh, you're gifted. You're you're called. Now that's good stuff. And so we had to immerse ourselves in that. I know I keep using the plural. <laughs> it's part of this journey with with within my own village. You know. So you did just admit there's a whole village living in your head. So <laughs> there he is. Well, <laughs> I'm just going to stay on that that beat. It's
1: know? true for all of us. It's <laughs> uh, it, it, so, it, There's the spiritual
3: element, and then and then to love others out of that strength. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think we forget from time to time, or at least I do, because I try to sort of segment things um, like that. This is something I need to deal with with my rational mind. Right. It's, it's a logic or reason issue. And I need to get my Smurfs in order and control my, you know, my thinking Um, but we've mentioned from time to time, a book by Pete Scazzaro called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, uh, which I know you're familiar with. And, you know, he's, he talks about how you can't, um, you, you may, it may be difficult for you to get to certain spiritual places and formation if you're not also, uh, mature in, uh the emotional sort of way in, uh, in, in a personal maturity. And uh, that those processes go together sometimes, right? Oftentimes, um, because my tendency would be to just try to control my Smurfs and be a better leader <laughs> my, of my village. And then it's really about me, right? Um, so yep. So you've taken it to this place that's like, it's not about how, how good I am, even in controlling my village. It is uh, ultimately about who i'm surrendered to and who fills me and and that allows me to control my village and we okay. try to take um therapeutic things and uh rational logical things and separate them from uh, emotional health and well-being and spiritual health and like we tend to compartmentalize them put them in different shoe boxes but all of those things right are working together to to help us have a better understanding of um, uh, of Jesus's love, right because it, it isn't just compartmentalized to what I know about Jesus. It's then applied right to my emotional chaos, right or to the lies I tell myself. And you've done a, a really a great job of saying it is all those things together. Like you can see a counselor and love Jesus. <laughs> and there there are some Christians that just don't go there because they think that that their spirituality should um, be enough. Right yeah. for that. And there's
3: the yeah. there's your, there's your danger word. Uh their Christianity, their spirituality should be is should
1: be. Yep. Mm. Yep. Okay.
3: That's that that's an alarm bell moment when, yep. I, when the village I have a should smurf.
1: And when <laughs> they start talking,
3: uh everybody suffers. Mm-hmm. Uh, because their their job is condemnation, uh, not not help. And, mm-hmm. and uh that, that should piece is there. And for I have discovered in this that there is still a stigma among uh, a lot of followers of Jesus around uh, mental health needs. Mm -hmm. So I'm a grateful Mm -hmm. Christian to recover from depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jesus is helping me with that. But he's helping me with all kinds of gifts that God has already blessed us with, like talk therapy Mm -hmm. and uh, seeing a psychiatrist, Mm -hmm. uh, seeing a doctor. Uh, You know, sometimes the most spiritual thing I can do is take a nap Sometimes the, the best uh, devotion I can do is to take a walk. Mm-hmm. And uh, those are not always regarded as uh, spiritual, but everything is spiritual, right? I mean, right. this is our father's world and we, we exist in that. And to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's the whole being. Mm-hmm. And so I, I've, I've used my preaching opportunities in different places, especially to try to break down that stigma. Uh, I was preaching at a uh a, a large Christian institution, I'll say, and uh, <laughs> at the end of it, uh, I had this group of pastors lined up, and uh, they all were whispering to me, "Hey, uh, can I have the number of the therapist?" Like, uh, and then they said, "Nobody's ever talked about that here." Wow! Mm. It just it gave me just great sadness that that's out there because we don't need to be judging each other about that kind of stuff. Um, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. this, this is very needed in our world today. And I think that's what Pete Scazzaro stumbled onto, Sarah, that you're yes. naming is why that has gone wild all over the world is because we are in such emotional, uh, you know, basket cases that, that we need God to grow us up in our emotional lives to almost reparent a lot of us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's not uh <laughs> it's not as clean as we want it to be in the no. sense of no. I can manage this issue this issue then Jesus will manage this issue and then you know my doctor will manage this issue it's much messier than that but uh in in some of our own personal pain right it's in the places of messiness and despair that actually I discover the most beautiful gift from Jesus, right? That I, I wouldn't have if I had not gotten down in the muck of it, right? If I hadn't all right. allowed myself to do that. And I'm not saying that, you know, that Jesus gives us hard things to teach us lessons, but that he's in the messy things. He's in the hard things and he gives us something beautiful from it. And um, You all really do need to read the book because you do share some of your personal story uh, in in the places of hardship and um, the pitfalls you found yourself in uh, and how jesus met you down in them and i think we deny ourselves an opportunity at at, at a deeper place of discipleship by avoiding these dark and messy places right so yeah. we think we think by going around them you know and kind of not dealing with them or avoiding the pits uh, then we'll end up in a nicer place spiritually uh, but so far in my experience it's those places have come in the pit right not not on the other side of them, or by avoiding them. So, thank well, you. Well, a lot
2: of times when you try to avoid a pit, you find yourself in an even deeper one, in a different one. That's right.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they come anyway, like it or not.
3: <laughs> yeah, check your hands. You probably have a shovel, and you're just yeah. continuing down yes. down, <laughs> down. That's right. yourself.
1: I mean, you know, one of the things that I I think is complicated for us as Christians is. Okay, so if you're not going to compartmentalize, right, if you're going to bring all these things together in our struggle with anxiety, one of the things that I've dealt with um, is I can't sometimes tell the difference between where the enemy is exacerbating an issue and where um it's just like my own maturity, <laughs> I sort of need mm. to deal with. And yep. uh, and and it probably is a little bit of both, right? Like I've mm-hmm. I've got something I need to deal with. The enemy knows that, and he's he's stepping on the nerve, right? He's leaning in hard, and um, it kind of can sometimes feel like uh, torment when you when you go, oh, the the enemy just has me under attack. Well, that's not a, a real pleasant place to be because then you're you're surrendering all control to him, just right. messing with you, right? Right. Uh, so I guess the enemy's just going to mess with me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, and when you, when you go, but, oh, but I've also got a little bit of control in this situation and how I react and respond to it in my own emotional and spiritual health, then it, then it's not so tormenty, right? Cause I go, right. oh, he doesn't, oh, he doesn't have authority to do that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it is a really interesting, messy place, right? Emotional and spiritual health, but, um, it's a beautiful yep. place to
3: be too. But some some of this uh, resistance towards uh, emotional growth um, leads us to to simplistic answers to very complex problems. Like the devil's doing this to me. Well, Mm -hmm. yeah, the devil wants to destroy us. He's like a roaring lion. That's all he wants to do is to destroy. Uh, However, uh, you could have a painful memory from the past that Jesus wants to heal. Mm -hmm. And uh, that doesn't sound as bad as I'm under satanic attack. It doesn't ring off the prayer list as well. Uh, You know, the devil's tempting me. It almost sounds like a badge of uh, honor and courage in some circles, you know, because I'm doing so good, the devil must be trying to take me down. Well, that's not really big news. That's his whole job. But it doesn't disqualify us from our own needs to find healing in the places God's given it. Mm. For example, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter. And it's about God's love first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And he says right in the middle of that, and a lot of people cut this out of their weddings, but uh, I think it's the most powerful verse in the whole list of beautiful things. He said, when I was a child, I spoke and thought there's the mind and reasoned as a child. But when I became an adult, I put away childish things.
0: Mm.
3: And what I've discovered in my journey here that I'm still not done with is that, a lot of times I'm behaving like a child, mm-hmm. like, a, like a one-year-old Christian. And it's because the one that says uh, quotes a guy saying, uh, I realize I've been a one-year-old Christian 21 years in a row Yeah. Mm-hmm. instead of being a 21 year old Christian. Yeah. And I found that to be true. And in some circles, even uh, almost approved of uh, in, in, in those settings, instead of saying, man, Or or a friend, you know, how about some therapy? And let me introduce you to my, or let's talk about what those emotions are. How about emotionally healthy spirituality class? Mm -hmm. Have you done your genogram? Here's what I discovered in my, uh, my papa, my grandfather was abandoned when he was 11 years old, dropped out of school, had to care for his siblings, made his way literally working on the railroad, and then he got enough money to live on a farm and eventually buy his own farm. Okay. So he struggled with abandonment. Obviously. Guess what my father struggled with? His greatest fear was abandonment.
0: Mm. Guess
3: what I struggled with? Abandonment. And, you know, I never knew this until I wrote the book to bounce with you. Mm. <laughs> and I put it all together. I was like, Oh my gosh. So there's actually more grace in there because when I kept all this private, I thought, man, I am the worst Kmart Christian in the world. Like, <laughs> I can be put out of business. This is ridiculous. Everybody, talks Christian. About, I like that. <laughs> everybody talks about <laughs> praying. And when I pray, I feel God change my out And I'm like, I don't feel that. You know, I still mm. feel abandoned. Well, because mm. I get a reason to feel abandoned. It's been passed down from generation to generation. And when I come to this realization that the Lord is true and his word can be trusted, well, then it changes my whole life that mm. he will never leave me or forsake me. Mm. So we have to do that deeper kind of work. This isn't surface spirituality. This is an archaeological dig. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: It's dirty. It's layer after layer. And yet it's so wonderful. That's wonderful. I
1: I, I think there's so much power in bringing things to light, right? And Christians, I mean, people do it, but we walk around with all this stuff shoved down in the dark. And uh, you know, it's the light of Christ that can change it in us, and and it that can't unless we sort of name it, bring it to light, call it what it is. It gets a little less terrifying, right, <laughs> when we do. And and you've really done that done that for us in the book. I can't recommend it enough for people See, to just
3: using yeah, that image there. so think about light and darkness in the beginning of the of John if you've never read mm-hmm. any of the Bible I encourage anybody to listen to to read read the Gospel of John the biography of Jesus written by John so the first part of it it's this beautiful poetry and it talks about Jesus being the light um, and it comes into the darkness and the good news is the darkness can't overcome his light mm-hmm. and so when we bring those things to light by naming them, naming my Smurfs, giving my fears a name. Uh, Jesus does some amazing things. He shines his light on there. And number one, the problem is not nearly as big as I thought it was. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I'm not alone because I look around in the room and it's like this whole club of fear-filled people. And the Bible is a record of those people who were honest about their faith. And so I've had some of the criticism of the book have been people that have said to me, you've shared too much. You're too, uh, you've been too vulnerable. Now there is a place for appropriate vulnerability. And I hope I didn't cross that. I might have, I hope I didn't end the book, but when I read the Bible, I mean, let's, let's think about this for a second. Peter denies Christ after he'd seen him face to face and followed the dude for three years. I mean, I've done some bad things in my life, but, uh, I'm sorry to compare, but that's nothing. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> as Jesus is getting ready to go on the cross, I mean, or some of the, the prayers of David about what he wished his God would do to his enemies. I've never had those kind of anger fantasies. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think we need to be a little more honest with one another in safe mm-hmm. settings, and it would help us to be more trustworthy. Somebody tells you something in confidence, keep it in confidence, mm-hmm. um, because that, that helps us become a community of, of transformation where we put away childish things. Hmm. Wes, we've it, talked for, to,
0: go ahead, Adam. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, uh, well, I was just gonna lift up. we've talked around the edges of something that I just wanted to name that I appreciated about your book. Um, you made a comment a little earlier that sometimes the best devotion you can do is just simply going for a walk. And I think it gets to the fact that we're not just brains on a stick. And we don't just need to dig around in our minds and we can just kind of pull ourselves out of this deep, dark hole in our heads that we find ourselves in. We're embodied beings and we are just as formed by the practices we embody, uh, maybe even more so formed by the practices that we body than the thoughts that we think. And so what I appreciate about your book is that you – lift up some of those counterformative practices that you have embodied that have helped. So I was just wondering if you could maybe say a little bit more about that is, you know, what are some of those embodied practices that you found have, have helped you in your own spiritual formation and, and journey?
3: Yeah, thank you. And, uh, you know, we're, we're either being spiritually formed or we're being spiritually deformed Yeah, throughout our, throughout our day, frankly. Mm-hmm. And so some things I do uh, harm my soul. Some things I think um, if uh, if I don't drink enough water today, that that's kind of harming my soul because we're body, mind, soul, you know, reason, will all that relationships come together to make us human beings. And uh, Jesus had limits. And uh, it's been a discovery of mine to learn that I have limits, too. And that I also need to tend to my own soul. And that's what I mean about the order of God's love. So I used to never take a Sabbath. But uh, it, when I discovered the order of God's love, I went to my exhausted village, and I'm like, "Would you all like a day off?" they're like, "Yes!" Oh my God, <laughs> we're so tired. Please, and I'm like, "Would you like a whole day with Jesus?" Oh yeah, we love that guy. So uh, <laughs> it was it was just like news, and I started taking Fridays off, and I, I've done it for 20 years now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a rare Friday that I'm not off the entire day, and mm-hmm. I had to learn what emergencies were. My counselor for a month and a half that about what is an emergency, you know, and it comes down to somebody is dying and that's what an emergency is and the rest can really wait. And so creating space and time for myself. Um, but also every day, I've got seven things that I do now every day because I'm 20 years into this journey and I've still got a long way to go. So uh, I have to take a walk in the morning. I need to eat breakfast. I need to journal. I need to read uh, some scripture. I need to drink enough water during the day. <laughs> I need to have space between my appointments, and I need to go to bed on time.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, if I do those things, then I have a, a position in my life to experience the joy of Jesus mm-hmm. uh, in my life and in my everyday day. Because when I'm not hurried, I can play Uno with our special needs ministry. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I have put that into my calendar now, and for the last. Uh, four months, uh, whenever I've been in town, I play UNO with a group of special needs adults. And we discovered that I can't tell the cards apart that are green uh, and whatever the other color is, red.
1: <laughs> because I'm,
3: I'm colorblind.
1: Colorblind.
3: <laughs> so one of our nonverbal uh, participants has to help me. She can utter one word at a time. So Lori says green or red. And I have to show her each card. In other words, I'm I'm a participant. I'm in need hmm of community and fellowship. And I got to slow down enough to sit with people uh, and enjoy life. And so it's those, those kind of simple things and chances are, you know what your next step is with Jesus. Anybody that's listening to this, you can think of the things that you need to do that are simple, that help you to live life to the fullest. Uh, I think it's Dallas Puller. Help me out Larry here uh, where he says, order your life in such a way that you could experience joy and contentment in the Lord.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: so that's what some of that uh, is, Adam, is having to to really uh, just do those things that I know are a blessing because I have space to do that. Mm-hmm. When, we, when we all lived in the village to please everybody else, there was no time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I literally told my counselor one time, I can't do that. I have too many things to do. And she said, well, tell me about that. I said, well, frankly, I'm just killing myself for these people, Mm. my family, my church, my friends. I'm just killing myself. And she said to me, Wes, Jesus already died for them. Why in the world are you killing yourself? That makes no sense. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
3: And so the first time I started taking off from church for our pastor friends that are, uh, the church is easy because I'm always doing the Lord's work. Mm. That's got to be good. That sounds good. So I can't take a day off from the Lord's work. Well, the Lord took a day off. And here's how my prayer goes. And I've prayed it so much that it's ridiculous. Okay, God, here's how it goes. Today, I'm going to let you be in charge of Grace Church. And I pray (laughs) that God, you do it well. And don't worry, because I'll be back tomorrow. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) That's silly.
1: I, I think it was that last season we talked together about uh, John Mark Comer's book, "The Ruthless mm-hmm. Elimination of Hurry," which embodies That's a great resource. You. Yes, you're looking for some tools, I, you know, and and it is time and training, training ourselves, training our churches. I so will say mm-hmm. that nicely, but like I, Wes, my dad was also a pastor, as was yours, and Ooh, okay. but, you know the the rules for being a pastor, you know, thirty years ago you didn't miss meetings, right? And mm-hmm. and you attended everything and you and you did office hours and you went to the football games. And yeah. churches and pastors are having to learn together how to re-rhythm right some of this. And that's a tough, it doesn't happen overnight. And but it does require our healthy sense of sense of self and boundaries. Right. Otherwise everybody will just keep taking from you, whether you're a pastor mm-hmm. or not, right? Your family yeah. will want more. Your friends will want more. Your job will want more. And um, finding yourself in Christ is such an important um, part of that, right? Just uh, yeah. loving yourself a, in Christ. It
3: was a big blow to my ego, Smurf. Yeah. Uh, and he, he, they had to do a lot of training. My goodness. Hmm. Uh, because uh, I work with a whole bunch of uh, gifted people. I'm very blessed to do that. But that means that I'm not the lead dog. I might have the, I just got this title, uh, hallelujah, but what it means to lead our church is not, it's not to be out front all the time. It's Mm -hmm. to serve others and to my slogan now is to make others powerful. That's my primary responsibility. So I get to work with Larry and, you know, Larry. And so, I mean, why the heck would I have to be there if Larry's there? I mean, the guys, he's got it. (laughs) But the hard thing for me is to admit that to myself and especially ego smurf because he argues back. He's like, no, you're you're really important. And now the rest of the village comes around him and they give him a hug and it's like, you'll be all right. <laughs> Stroke I like you. I should go. I
1: feel like I should go pull Smurfs up on, on TV tonight and just oh, yeah. live my childhood.
0: Yes, you could I used you to mean your childhood of not them. being allowed to watch them?
1: He he would <laughs> oh, he holler well. about it. He would come <laughs> into the room and see me watching it and holler about it. And then I would like keep watching it anyway. <laughs> yeah.
2: That was, wow. so I, that was your rebellion. That
0: was your rebellion. Watching pretty Smurfs. Good, Sarah. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> it tells you I, about I, about how adventurous I am.
0: <laughs> I, I think the real gift in in all of this is just finding those those spaces to experience joy. Like we'll, we'll go back to your Uno example, Wes, because I get to see you do this oh, yeah. um, uh, on a re- on a regular basis, and we can be in meetings all morning long, and get through lunch and wes is looking exhausted the look on his face changes as he walks to the cafe to play uno with uh, with our special needs folks like, like he knows that's going to be something that gives him joy is all that other stuff still going to be there yes it's yeah. yeah. still stuff that has to be dealt with and w- but when we find these ways to incorporate rest and unhurry and um and reordering the way the tribal council meeting works in our minds, it helps us in the way that we encounter uh, all of those things. I was, I was just working on Psalm 46 this morning. We're preaching that this weekend at, at Grace Church, and it starts, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. That sounds great. But then, like, everything that comes after it is terrible stuff. Earthquakes come, mm-hmm. mountains crumbles into the sea, oceans roar and foam, mountains tremble on the waters surge. I don't want to do any of that stuff. Mm-mm. But it makes a difference to know that even in the midst of that, God is my refuge and strength. So back to the compound thing, it's just this reminder of all that stuff can still be there. This does not mean... That you discover this and you stop taking your anxiety medication, your depression medication, or stop seeing a therapist. Keep doing all that stuff, but it reminds me that even if everything else is taken away from me, mm-hmm. everything, I have never been more loved by the king of the universe than I am right now. Mm-hmm. And that that's the CogPow piece in, in all of it. And I think that's the greatest gift of, of, of this, and I've loved seeing uh, the way CogPow pops up places around Grace Church or I'll be driving around town and I'll see somebody have a, a CogPow sticker on the back of their car. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, it's just dropping. <laughs> yeah. I got a text the other day from somebody in Illinois at my former church got CogPow tattooed, uh, mm-hmm. on her arm. Cause she, she read the book cause I'd recommended it before I left, you know? And,
3: um, it's yeah, just never, it's a reminder that things can still just- be
0: falling. Things can still be falling apart around me. Yeah. Um, But God is my refuge and strength, and He loves me.
3: Never expected to boost the tattoo parlor business, but (laughs) there are a lot of CogPow tattoos out there, and uh, even within our own church. And yet, uh, one of the things I just want to say to wrap—you're probably going to wrap up soon—is this: that this is not just a mantra to feel good. Um, This is a life to live into, to enjoy to the fullest, Hmm. Um, because that that. Verse of, of Paul, you know, when I put away childish things. So what I'm doing in those moments is I'm growing into my very identity mm-hmm. as cog pal. And so cogpout, there's no, there's no dash, there's no comma. Uh because if you're a cog, you're a pow. If you're a child of God, that's a gift. That automatically means you're a person of worth. They go together. You can't separate the two. And so, a lot of people are like, Yes, I'm a child of the king. Okay, well, that means you're a person of worth. You're, you're, if, you're, if you're a cog, you're a pal. And so, that's where our uh, positioning our life, Sarah, uses the word training. And that, that's a good, a good way to look at it because it's not trying, uh, it, it's training. It's just all I got to do is make my schedule available, walk in, sit down, play cards. Well, that was the end of my work. And then the rest is Jesus and these amazing people. Mm-hmm. The same as with my Sabbath day. Uh, if you're a parent of a young kid, I encourage you. Something I started uh, when my son was in kindergarten, we spent every Friday together after school until bedtime. And uh, I only had one son. And so that was the best investment of my time was me and Caleb hung out. And it changed as he got older, you know. Um, we used to uh, play video games together. And then we would go to the library, and you know. But later on, we went to Chili's. And uh, he was a you know, 17, 18-year-old and we just talk about how his day was and, and talk about whatever, have fun. And so those kind of carving out times helped me live into my cog palace. That same day on Friday, I have a date with my wife every single Friday. And uh, I have people that ask me about it because for us to stay connected, we need to, we, we got to do that. And so these are the, the little things to put myself in that position. That everybody's got their thing. Like I say, whatever your next step is. To live into your cod palace, that's where joy is found. Mm. Jesus said, I've told you all these things so that your joy might be complete. Mm. So this is an invitation to joy. Mm. And uh, I, I'm so into it that I want everybody to experience it. That's the thing. I just, I'm giving this away. All the proceeds go to Grace Church. I don't make a dime off this book. I, I, this thing has cost me money, to be frank with you. And so I'm glad to give the news away because I got it freely. Mm-hmm. so freely I receive freely I give and
1: Amen. if you think cog is good we didn't even get to raccoons
3: so yeah no kidding oh my that, goodness yeah you'll, you'll have to say <laughs> oh, that, that leave we'll we'll them that in mystery. The yeah. mystery
2: yeah you'll have to read, the book. Gotta to read
3: hold, the book you got to read the book if you want to know about the raccoons but it's a very important lesson to also <laughs> suggest.
0: yeah yeah one that we we all started using uh, as soon as we heard it Yep, yep. Pretty uh, your lady. we can't encourage you enough to uh, read this book. It really is a gift. Uh, Adam's going to put the link there with the uh, show notes. Uh, Right now, it's $10 on uh, Amazon. On sale. Yeah, on sale, Um, which Wes is fine with it being on sale because he just said he doesn't make any money on it. So uh, (laughs) it's good. Uh, He's working right now on uh, with invite resources on creating a uh, a resource for churches and small groups with uh, small group material sermon outlines uh you can look for that uh late fall early winter uh this year to be a great resource for uh, for churches and uh, and groups to work through uh, together uh, Wes we want to thank you so much for for joining us today um great great conversation I didn't have to twist his arm at all uh <laughs> to have this chat he loves uh talking about Talking about this, um,
3: I love uh, talking about Cog Pal with night owls. That's that's a joyful thing.
0: <laughs> we we've determined that our best conversations happen at midnight, so uh, yep. that's that's why we're we're hanging out with this. Hey, we want to remind you uh, that uh, we do have a Holy Land trip coming up in uh, March of 2024. It's March 3rd through the 12th. Uh, information is on the uh, show notes there. Uh, and next month, uh, we will be on the backside of all four of us, uh, Adam, Gabe, Sarah, and myself, uh, going to the New Room Conference in Texas. And we're going to talk about some of our learnings and experiences there. You've heard us talk about New Room and Seedbed before, and we can't wait to share that with you. So uh, thanks for joining us on Midnight Theology, and we want to remind you that even though the thief may break in at midnight and have all sorts of tribal council meetings or tapes that play in your head and tell you everything that you're not, remember that at the end of it all, you are a cockpile, child of God, person of worth. See you next time.